Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hey friends, before we get started, I'm going to throw a little ad your way. As a cyclist, what is a spring all about? It's about getting your bike ready and learning some specific skills on how to deal with a bike mechanical while out for a ride. Let me ask you this. Do you avoid going long distances because you're afraid of experiencing a flat and not knowing what to do and possibly having to phone someone to pick you up? I can totally relate. I used to be that way. Now to avoid having that ever happening, I have something for you. I have created an online bike maintenance webinars and local hands-on clinics. Check the website for new dates regularly. Here's what you will learn. How to take your back wheel off, how to change a flat, how to adjust brakes, repair a broken chain, patch a flat. In addition, you will learn how to use the tools you're carrying in your bike bag, such as Allen keys and a chain brake tool, tire levers, how to use your pumps, what are chain links and how to use them. With these new skills and confidence, you will be able to handle any mechanical while cycling alone or in a group. No matter where you are globally, you can benefit from one of these webinars. If you're local, the clinics are more for you, and that's for Ottawa, Ontario area. I've been teaching these clinics for over 10 years, and trust me when I say, everyone learns something. A recording will be provided for the webinars, as well as Amazon shopping lists for both webinars and clinics for the bike tools that you will be using and learning how to use. Make sure to secure your spot today at www.sylviedaou.ca or bmcclinic.ca. Thank you very much and enjoy the episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Dew. And we have the beautiful Brie Vine, um, lovely wife to Jay Vine, but we're going to talk about Jay today. We're going to talk about all about Brie. And I found her on Instagram. She was doing some pretty cute little reels. And I'm like, so I, I tried some at the same time. <laughs> I'm like, I gotta do what she's doing. And, but then I invited her on the podcast and I'm really, really excited that I did because I, like I was just telling Bree, sometimes you invite guests on the podcast because they're cycling related and she has Swift behind her. So all that I knew was I'd watched her on the UCI Swift, um, championships cheering for her as long as my team too. <laughs> And, and, uh, you know, just inviting her into the podcast. So I didn't know a lot of stuff that we've been chatting about. And I'm super excited to bring this to you because not only is she, um, you know, from Australia, moved to, um, to uh, Andorra, which I had to look that up. 
anybody doesn't know that it's between France and Spain, like a little pin, <laughs> pin spot <laughs> in the, the Pyrenees. Um, but just their whole story about, um, yeah, their whole story into cycling. So before we bring Brie out, I'm just going to read a little bit about her and then we're going to bring him onto the podcast. So Brie is an Australian cyclist that lives as an expat in the beautiful country of Andorra. Brie used to compete in at the domestic level in real life. I like that. Real life cycling um, and the world level of Swift and competed in the Swift World Championships for the second year in a row. Um, you may have heard of Bree's husband, Jay Vine, who is an Australian professional cycling as uh, a uh, racing cyclist who is currently rides for UCI pro team Alpensin. Alpensin? Alpensin. And came to the professional racing scene via wifting, via winning Swift Academy. The young couple have earned the hearts of cycling fans across the world with their commitment and approach to earning Jay's place in the World Tour Peloton. With COVID-19 in Australia's cycling scene and just everybody's cycling scene um, being so secluded um, to the European cycling market, the pair took to unconventional ways for Jay to become a professional. So Brie is a keen cyclist herself and doesn't shy away from a big training schedule. And between being a 24-7 swinger for her husband, she shares a lot of her experiences on social media. So first of all, thank you so much, Brie, for being a guest on the podcast. No problems. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited. All right. So I always love to ask how you got into cycling how it got you into, um, you know, world level swift, your husband, like all that. I know we were talking about this before we started, but <laughs> I can't wait till she shares this with you. This is so amazing. Yeah. How did you guys um, get started in cycling? Yeah. So it's a, a bit of an old one. Um, Jay and I are high school sweethearts and um, we met back in um, when we were in year 11, basically. And um, basically, Jay started riding a mountain bike with some school friends and me being the keen girlfriend decided to come join <laughs> him and thinking that would be a great idea. Um, <laughs> and that was just, was it? It, it was good. It was just, um, it, it was a challenge to say the least. Um, right. <laughs> at that time I was a little bit of a bigger girl. Um, we both were a bit bigger. We just normal teenagers and yeah, it kind of just, expanded from that um it went from me borrowing jay's bike and doing a little mountain bike ride with him and this was doing 10ks was like a big day for us it was like a, oh yeah we're gonna have a bowl of pasta we're gonna have some chocolate like it was it was a big day um so you gotta start somewhere okay yeah. <laughs> oh yeah and how we evolve right it, yeah right um so we basically started doing that and we just kept slowly kept building up the case that we were doing and um we kind of just fell in love with the sport together um jay did his first 50k mountain bike race 
absolutely died, like came <laughs> 200th. It was a very hard bike race, but he loved it. He thought it was the best thing ever. So um, <laughs> he then decided to buy a new bike and I got his big mountain bike, which was an extra large. By the way, folks, I'm short. I am 161 <laughs> centimetres being on an extra large mountain bike was just a mistake from the get-go. Um, so that was really a mistake, but it was good fun. I learned. And um, yeah, it ended up becoming, I started racing with him, not well, but I was racing um, just our local mountain bike races. And yeah, it kind of just developed from there. We um, we were the cool kids that started using our road bikes. Like we decided we'll go get road bikes because it'll be cheaper to train on the road bike than it is on the mountain bike because mountain bike can't wear out. Like that yeah. was our logic. <laughs> I think I did that too. Like yeah. mountain biking <laughs> and racing and then I had to go there to mountain bike and I'm like, I'm just going to train on my road bike. And then I kind of like went to the road bike side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And like for a little bit there, we, oh, for, I say a little bit, for a couple of years there, we were doing both. We were doing road racing at the like domestic and national level. Um, and Jay was so much better at it than I was. Um, and then the mountain biking as well. And that's where we got one of our first sponsors, Davey Sprocket, and then kind of just developed from there where we, we really enjoyed the racing and doing it together. Um, and it was just really good training. We started losing weight and just having so much fun, which was brilliant. Like I saw more of Australia than I ever had or ever would have without riding a bike. Like it was actually really cool. Um, then that then translated to doing road racing, obviously. And that was mm-hmm. domestic level. Jay quite quickly figured out he was a strong rider and um, if he ate the right foods and actually did training plans with a coach, he just flew away. amazing, right? (laughs) Get a coach and actually do your training and you get better. Um, That was mind blowing to us. (laughs) Yeah. Well, usually is, you know, like people like, so how do I get better? Well, you know, (laughs) some adjustments. Practicing here and you kind of grow. Um, And yeah, he just took it to the next level and he did his first UCI race and uh, in um, New Zealand cycle classic. And he just calls me and go, I can do this, Brie. Like, this is for life. It's two o'clock. I've just had my coffee. We're about to start our race. Like, this is like the full fantasy cycling professional life. (laughs) What you think professional cycling is, you're like parked up at a cafe. You've got your teammates there. You've just signed on. That's basically what you thought. Um, it's not uh-huh. like that, folks. It's definitely not like that. <laughs> um, and then reality hit. Then reality what? hit. Um, recycling days. <laughs> oh, this is hard. Um, but yeah, he he decided that he really wanted to give it a go. And um, we at that time was doing a lot of indoor racing. Um, and the reason we started doing a lot of indoor swifting. So we were already using Zwift to um, train, right? It was just easy. I was working a full-time job. We both were coming home at night. It's too dangerous to go outside, Mm -hmm. especially with all the kangaroos outside. If you don't know Australia, 
it's everywhere. Kangaroos will take you out. That's the most dangerous part of riding a bike outside at night. Um, what part of Australia are you? Were you? Uh, so I'm from Canberra. I was born and raised. Very special days. Um, so it's just three hours short of, or three hours drive from Sydney. Most people recognize oh, okay. Sydney. So yeah, right. we are drive from Sydney. That's where we are. Um, so it's the nation's capital. Um, <laughs> but so, it, 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 so the kangaroos. Kangaroos. And it's honestly, they just come out of nowhere. Like you'll be descending a descent and one bright spark will decide to jump and take you out. Like there are so many times it's very dangerous. So at the oh, end of the day, God. we went, you know what? We'll just train on Zwift. And we'll do outside rides and like uh, longer rides all outside. But for the time being, we'll either get up at 5 a.m. and do our training session mm-hmm. on Zwift or come home at night and do it. Um, and then that quite promptly, because we love racing, turned to racing on Zwift. Um, Can I ask you, Brie, yeah. how long ago did you start on Zwift? Because I know Zwift's been around for a while and I've like I only got on like last year you know I kind of fought it you know people like hey yeah yeah, you have you heard this thing called Swift and like I'm like what what is this yeah and so some ladies who like have been on there since the inception are like you know were you one of those early adopters I I was about mid-pack I was not one of the very very first but I was definitely up there. I think my first ever race was in 2019. To be honest, I just looked it up on Swift Power to double check. Um, <laughs> 2019. But 2019. Still, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that was still early. So I think it was 2018 that it really started hitting the ground. Um, one of um, I know a girl, Vicky Whitlaw, you, you probably know her. She's from Hino Racing and she was Zwifting it up for ages before I did. And then I saw what she was doing. I was like, I'd love to jump on. Like, this is great. Mm-hmm. And basically we were just doing the lamb chop and that is just a random WRTL race. It, it's, it's a low level. There's no rules there's no regulations like they go oh yeah you should try and be in this watts per kilo for a grade b grade c grade d grade no no everyone kind of matter he was in at that time like it was early swift right and right. so i would be getting my ass handed to me um trying to mm-hmm. keep up and i'd be trying race for boys because there was no female division and it was basically jay would be in the a grade i would be in b grade which i thought was pretty special at the time um yeah. and I would drill myself to try and catch Jay because it was a handicap race so it was the slower grades would go first and then the other grades would go after you and um it would basically just be a which vine would win the race and it was <laughs> like it was it was a really nice way and that quite quickly built our relationship to um like the vine show um that's what <laughs> the commentators were calling it because we were it was odd we were a couple racing together which is pretty rare apparently yeah um, and say. yeah it was just kind of blew out from there where 
um, we started doing that and then we got approached by um, Tully Leicester, uh, who runs Aero, uh, the Australian uh, e-racing organisation. Um, and cool. he contacted me going, would you like to race for us? Like you and Jay, you're doing a really good job. Would you be keen? And so I helped form that team and, and we've just been racing ever since. And it's been really fun doing it. Well, I tell you, Brie, like I, last year I started in January, I mm-hmm. got an account, everything nice because I have a women's cycling club. So a lot of the women were, were cycling. So it, it came out as FOMO. Okay. Like I don't want to be not as strong as the other girls that I ride with in the summer. So I got my, you know, it started like that. Perfect. And then I start, yeah. And then I started racing. Cause, um, then I saw that there was racing. Cause I used to race for eight years, like uh-huh. on the road and I'm like, Oh no, that would be cool. It's going to race online. And yeah. I kind of fell in like found it or discovered it like probably about this time last year. So it was kind of like the end of the season, you know, in between we're almost ready to get on the road and you're like, eh, well, maybe I'll try a few, but I'm not really there (laughs) now. I'm, I want to be outside. And then I said, I am going to race. I'm going to get, find a team in the fall. Yep. I'm going to do a whole race season. So Mm -hmm. I found, um, Aeonian. Well, I didn't really find them. Yeah. My girlfriend, Mona Lee, you probably see Mona Lee Keller. Yep, we used yep. to adventure race together here oh, and she was yeah, a mountain okay. bike. Yeah. I'm just a little, I'm a little bit older than her, but, uh, so she's, so I approached her. I'm like, Hey mom, like, what are you doing online? You know, yeah. she's like, yeah, here. you know, I'm like, can, can I join your team? Like, you know, yeah. cause I want to join somebody that I know. I don't know how much of a rock star she was, but I'm like, (laughs) you're like, okay. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I was like, uh, yeah, I think I'll take about three years to be (laughs) like, get up to that level. But then I started racing and I'm like, wow, this is a lot of organization. Yes. It's (gasps) grown and develops like from the first time doing the premier league, like it was so much less work on the first time like you you had to drill record you had to do your weigh-ins and stuff mm-hmm. but this like this premier league that they're, they're actually receiving a fair bit of pushback from the riders because it's it's almost a full-time job like is some teams are running it as a full professional team which is great I love I love that idea but my goodness, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, and trying to make sure you are hundred percent on point is very stressful. I don't know. Like when you're talking about that, like just being the racer, like mm-hmm. I look at the organizer who organizes, there must be like, I'm thinking at least 30, 40 of us who are yeah. racing at different levels. And like six of us here, like we're in the C category, but we're lower C and then there's higher C and I'm just like, and then they're like, you have to fill in, go to this website. And then this website, I'm like, oh my God, just send me the link. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm <laughs> just like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. The, the organization that goes around uh, a team that is, you know, racing competitive. I don't know what like the other ones, but hands down wow like and it should be a paid position well that's it I think some of them are like I remember doing 
um, not last year, the year before, Tour of Vertica. It was just a random Swift race I've never even heard of, but my team got approached and said, would you like to do it? And there was prize money involved and it was all really good. So we're like, hell yeah, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the organization from those guys or the girls, amazing. Like it was a, only a female race and it was spot on. Like yeah. I don't think I've been to some in real life racing that's been more <laughs> well organized than them. Like they were on point with everything. Um, they were really clear with all the rules and regulations. They, they were willing to be a little bit flexible. Like we had um, one person have a trouble with a power meter and then they were like, can we send this test instead of that test? But you can at least see that I've done real life stuff. And they were fine. Like uh, mm. kudos to them. There's so much work to it. Yeah. Cause I, I'm just like blown away. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to want to race. And I'm like, yeah, you have to have three races before you can get in. You have to apply. And I'm like, wow. Like <laughs> this is like the next level that I even, I never. And so, but it makes me really proud of being part of this team. But I've also heard, like you said, prize money, I heard prize money is massive in Swift. Yeah. yeah. Like um, much then- bigger than like and the road races and that that is a bit controversial is it not <laughs> it is a bit um <laughs> like it depends on the race you're doing right it mm-hmm. like in real life racing jay has only been racing for let's say a year now with the professional yeah. teams and each race has prize money and then that gets split off with the riders and the team management and blah and your race organization everyone takes a bit of the money um which is all, all totally fine and makes sense mm-hmm. um and yeah jay was a little bit shocked because um you guys might not know but jay won the swift world championship yeah cool. and that came with a pretty hefty prize pool um that was i can you think, share uh, hold on hold on <laughs> i say the wrong one it's not that i can't say it, it's just i won't make sure i actually tell you the right figure um but it was a very decent prize pool and we weren't really expecting it uh so eight thousand euros for first place which that's a fair bit of money for us at the moment yeah it's not in your pocket already seriously wow (laughs) we'll take that and obviously he splits that with the Australian team as well because they all work together and they all split it off and then we do all that as well but Zwift just giving 8,000 euros geez I don't think Jay's even received like 3,000 euros from in real life racing yet and he's been racing for a year and Zwift world champs appreciate it's a world champs people like that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. But geez, that's a lot of money. And so the, the transparency and like the in between, like the comparing the money is, is quite impressive. And I think that's why the premier leagues and everything is making sure you're so on point with all your data to make sure there isn't any dodgy. Right. Um, to make sure it's legit because they are now putting a money figure to it so it all makes sense right because um yeah what was I gonna ask like you really have to work your way up to that premier league Mm -hmm. and oh this is what I was gonna say 
so I've been talking to a couple other girls who are, are getting sponsorship money to just race online. Do yeah. you, are you in the same situation where you have like, no, I'd love to know. How <laughs> you <that>. should be. <laughs> um, no, uh, I don't. Um, we would split money if we got prize money with team aero, but we definitely don't get paid to race. I don't think I've ever been paid to race a bike yet, um, which is fine. That is, I'm um, still developing, but yeah. Um, a lot of females do get paid to race a bike, which I just think is amazing to do and to have it on Zwift, like, geez, hello, send me some of that money. <laughs> I know. I think you should be out there marketing yourself because if you're in the world champs, like you had to be, you had to qualify to be there and invited. Yep. So you definitely have been putting your work in. Yeah. But I, I haven't been racing on Zwift for about a year. Like, I, when we moved over to Europe, we didn't have a Zwift set up, not yet. Like, um, yes, for Zwift Academy Rider, I didn't have a Zwift set up yet. <laughs> we just didn't yet. Like we, we didn't have the money. We didn't have the trainer arranger needed to be made sure sponsor correct and all this stuff. Mm. And we're in a small place, but we only got a trainer in late October last year. So between doing Zwift World Champions the year before, I didn't ride a bike uh, on Zwift and actually race until October. And so I had only about four months of actually riding, not professional uh, Premier League races, but it was just, you know, the, oh, there's a D grade race happening. There's an A grade race happening at two o'clock. I'll join that. <laughs> and just doing those before Zwift <laughs> World Champs. And that was my prep. So I was like, oh, well, <laughs> this will work. <laughs> I know it's like, uh, what time is it? Oh, there's a race happening in half an hour. I'll just dump on my bike. I'll just get the Vegemite toast going now. And yeah, now. that's right. <laughs> Vegemite toast. Oh my God. It's a need before every race. And my that one stuff is so nasty. No, you need to put a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I see people putting on like Nutella, go to hell. You're going to go. That's <laughs> wrong. My sister does it. It's wrong. You shouldn't. That is just disgusting. You need a little bit of butter and a little bit of Vegemite. And is that's what got me through all my Zwift racing. And <laughs> in Australia, we were doing it at like 5, 4 a.m. in the mornings. So it was perfect. Get the carbs in straight away. You were on fire. It was great. Oh, my God. That, <laughs> I guess it's like, it's like the equivalent of our peanut butter. <laughs> well, we have peanut butter as well. We just have everything. It, it honestly is the best, <laughs> but I love it. And my mother-in-law brought me a big jar um, with us, and it's just been so nice having just a little bit. It also it'll last me like a year, two years, no problems. Like she'll be right. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying now you got yourself moved into a you made a final decision on where to live in Europe because you came over from okay how did you decide to come over is it because jay was um you're getting him towards his um uci we were saying uh the pro team so you yeah. had to make your move over to europe basically yeah so basically um what we ended up doing was Jay won Zwift Academy. So he raced Zwift Academy all in Australia in 
Canberra, right? And so that was all done virtually. Normally what would happen is they would go to a competition out in Spain and ride and they would meet each other and they would do a whole heap of physical races and stuff like that. But this time COVID, no, it was all virtual. Mm -hmm. So it kind of all just happened at home. And um, the winner wasn't announced until the 20th of December, which was pushing it kind of close to Christmas and trying to sort things out. And at that time, Jay and I went, we want you GoPro, right? We're, we're fully committed. You're, you're not working at this stage. He hadn't been working for almost two years. So he could try and peak to become a professional because oh we God. fully invested in him going, it's now or never. And I genuinely believed he could become a pro and do a really good job. And um, I was like, there's no point half-assing this. You, you need to fully commit. And he did. He won Swift Academy. So at that stage, just before he was winning, we were going, all right, if you win Swift Academy, we're moving to Europe, like straight away, as soon as we can. If not, I'm going to send you over to Europe um, and I will stay in Australia and try and send you money and I'll just work full time, send you money. Hopefully you can get noticed by a team, do some local races. Maybe something would come from that. There's a lot more to it, but that was our, our idea. Luckily, we didn't have to. He won Swift Academy. And so the next step was getting us over. And because of COVID, that made it super hard to do. And we wanted to do it where we wouldn't have a time limit because normally you can have 180 days in one country stay and then you have right. to go back or there's 90 and 180 I think it depends on certain circumstances of how long you can stay and we really wanted to do it correctly with COVID and make sure if we had a lockdown and we were forced to stay in the country that we weren't going to be in trouble because right. at that time lockdowns were still happening Australia <laughs> was in the lockdown and so we ended up applying for a visa process which took forever to do and I'm talking mountains of paperwork to sort out um because they decided to change all the visa processes <laughs> because of COVID uh -huh. so that made life super stressful um but we decided look we're going to move to Girona Girona is a beautiful beautiful medieval um kind of town Lance Armstrong George Hickapi they all live there Right. Everyone knows Girona is the place to go. If you go over to Spain, go to Girona. It is absolutely beautiful. It does match for hype. Um, it's perfect for writing. And there's a fair few Australians there. So we were like, English, Australia, yeah, we'll move over and at least we'll know someone because our Spanish ain't good. <laughs> it's not good. And we've been here for a year. It's still not good. It's not well. <laughs> Um, I still can't make phone calls. I can talk to people, but I can't make phone calls. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Um, and so we decided to move to Girona. And that was where we were planning to go. In the meantime, Jay was training. He was racing, going all between. And he ended up doing altitude camp. And we decided, look, we're going to go up to Andorra to do our altitude camp. Um, it's the closest place with the highest elevation. This will be great. And at that time, a fair few Australians and professional cyclists had already moved to Andorra. 
Um, okay. And it, it's become basically a second Girona, but at higher altitude and very expensive to live here. Um, but um, it's really set up for professional athletes. Oh. Um, and basically in Spain, we were having to fight tooth and nail to stay there and to be actual um, tax residents and and well at that time we weren't actual tax residents because we hadn't been fully approved to be tax residents yet so we were it was blocking all our packages it was making life really difficult for us and if um, we were to stay in Spain again we were going to have to fly back to Australia to then apply for our visas again mm. And that didn't quite work because Jay's team camp was like at the start of December and then the end of February. So it was, if we we're going to go back to Australia, it was only going to be for a short period of time. It wasn't going to be worthwhile to do that. So um, we went, okay, where else could we move and live? And at that time we had done an altitude training camp up in Andorra um, where all the other professionals were. And we just fell in love. Like, it is just beautiful. Like, for cycling, oh, my goodness. The mountains. I'm a mountain girl. I'm not an ocean yeah. girl. I, I do love the ocean, but mountains just have my heart. And here is honestly just stunning. Um, we went in spring and we were at the top of the mountain. Like, it was an hour and a half bike ride to get to the top of the mountain, constant climbing. Um and yeah, we ended up after the altitude camp, we just fell in love with Andorra and went, we have to move here. Um, and it just worked with our visas that that was coming up and we could start the visa process to move to Andorra and become full residents. Um, and so we've fully applied. We ended up having to pay 60,000 euros to, um, to the government. <laughs> Did everybody um, hear that? 60,000 euros. So everybody do the conversion in your heads. Like, wow. It's a lot of money. It's a lot um, of money. And luckily we have a lot of support from Jade's family to be able to support that because Jay's not on huge bucks at the moment. He mm. is very much still at the lowest level and still developing as a professional writer. So um, we're... Um, we definitely had to rely on his family to help us with that. Um, and luckily they did. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank yeah. Um, and yeah, we, um, we literally just finished applying and um, about three weeks ago. And in January, we made the move up to Andorra and that was, one heck of a process as well. Um, you have to rent a place before you can apply for um, residency, right? Uh -huh. And we, the Andorra market is really hard with rentals. Like some people, I've I've seen people posting on our Facebook group going, I'm still looking for a place and it's been eight months. Like, does anyone have a place? Where do they stay um, in the meantime? Like they're still in another country and they're trying to get over other countries other people like rent out um like um stay long term at hotels and then until okay. they find an option like it's 
pretty expensive. Wow. Um, but luckily for us, we were just in Girona. So that was a three hour drive from Andorra. So that wasn't hard for us. Um, over Christmas, we found a place and we got accepted for a house, paid the deposit straight away. And then we made the move four days later uh, to come up. Like it was a process, but it, so it I, I can imagine like your luggage must be one big suitcase like you can't you can't have a whole lot of stuff with you if you're traveling around and moving around a lot in Europe you like would think minimal that, like, like lots that, of bike stuff be, a little bit of clothes <laughs> the logical thing but we <laughs> we apparently did it the wrong way um so in Australia right we sold all of our stuff we had okay nothing left to our name we literally moved overseas Jay had two suitcases which one suitcase cost him $1,500 to bring on board because the cute airways were just like, oh yeah, we're going to add an extra, extra bit of luggage charge on that. So don't bring an extra bag. You guys come overseas. Don't do it. It's a trap. Um, <laughs> but Jay had two suitcases, right? I had one. And so we moved our whole lives with three suitcases. That's it. We own nothing else. Nothing in Australia. We sold our car. We sold everything. And so then when we came to Girona, I basically went, well, we're going to live here now. I'll buy stuff. I'll buy furniture. I'll go Ikea. Like it's not like expensive stuff here, right? We, we were doing it pretty reasonable. Our house was semi-furnished at the time anyway, so at least when Jay came, because I came a month after Jay, um, at least when he came, he had a bed. He had like a few things. <laughs> I need was certain fine. things if I'm coming back. <laughs> well, that's it. well, he had, I made sure there was a coffee maker there <laughs> and he had his fancy, fancy rocket espresso machine, not sponsored people, not sponsored, but he had his fancy <laughs> rocket machine rock up the very next day so he he was sorted for coffee straight away that's the important part i I don't know what it is with coffee and cyclists it's so important (laughs) like i love it i generally do um and yeah like we ended up buying stuff because we're like well we're going to live here like we're we're not coming over here for a holiday we're coming Mm -hmm. over to make this his life his career this we're planning to be here for at least 10 years, right? right? So big ambitions from us, but that's the goal. Um and we we brought a fair few things from IKEA, but we made the mistake. So at first we didn't know we were moving to Andorra and we would just go stay in Girona and then make the move. And in Australia, you just hire a truck or you chuck everything in the van and you move your stuff. Like it's not hard. um here it's hard and we apparently were the only people our immigration lawyer has ever had bring (laughs) furniture from Spain right and this guy Doug's been fantastic like he has been doing this for like 20 years he knows the ins and out he knows everyone in 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 Andorra he he's freaking awesome but we were the only dumbasses to bring furniture. <laughs> Sorry for swearing, but we we thought we were saving money. Um, 
we made a big mistake. Don't do it, people. Um, sell your stuff in Spain and buy brand new in Andorra. Um, because basically, we were doing the move quite rushed, as I said, four days, basically, getting the place, arranged a truck, got permits to have the truck in Girona Old Town because it's a small little town. And we did all that, right? Got all the permissions from the town halls. We paid all the fees. We did everything. Hired the truck, which was expensive as well because the guy's driving three hours to Andorra and three hours back. So it's a process and it's not worth renting a car and doing it yourself that's a trap you slap everything on the roof like genuinely we we should have just sold everything um because we decided being bright sparks this was my fault okay 100 <laughs> my fault i was like let's do the move we're paying straight away let's do the move on friday honey You've got a rest day. Like, this is fine. It'll work out. <laughs> Such a I'm like, mistake. oh, not really. Oh, my God. We got stuck at the border. They would <gasps> not let our stuff through. Because we're moving countries. Even though Andorra is a micro state and it, it's a country. You are moving countries. So what do you have? You have customs. And we thought we were all good, right? We thought we had all the paperwork. We had our uh, numbers and that we were applying. Like we thought because we were applying that we could just go, this is Jay Vine, this is our address, we're moving. No, it, ha it had to be fully processed and we got the wrong end of us of the stick. And unfortunately, our immigration lawyer, this was the first time he's ever had some bright sparks decide to move <laughs> the furniture because we're that cheap. We thought we would be saving money. We're like, this is a good idea. Like, we don't have money. This will be fun. It cost us, I kid you not, an extra 4,000 euros in costs. Because one, we had to pay for moving vans. We had to pay for customs to hold our stuff. And because we were doing the move, one, we were moving and it was snowing where our house oh. above the mountain like our <laughs> our truck owner was like guys there's snow like I can't drive our truck I was like well do you have chains I told you do you have chains and he's like I didn't get the chains I was like I told you you get the chains man he didn't get the chains so we were rushing because of the snow and then <laughs> it was Friday and so when they went oh no so it gets approved on Monday, like your actual move gets fully like registered on Monday because the person in the office didn't press send and it was like a Friday. So we, they didn't do it. Oh my God. The Fridays, right? Oh like, my God. It was, it was literally someone wanted to have a siesta and just <laughs> not worry about it. It was like, that could be Monday's problem. Screwing us. That could be, I need to go home early. <laughs> yeah. Quite literally. And it screwed us. And like if a, if we moved on Monday and then we had that happen, fine. We just book an Airbnb or a hotel one night. It's not an issue. But we had to book for hotel nights. We had to pay for all our food for the weekend. It was a long weekend as well because something was happening on a Monday. It, it was such a mess. We thought oh, we when you had this truck and these drivers yeah. and you're just and, like... Oh, the truck driver, God bless him, he was genuinely so nice. Like this guy, 
he um, moved from India. He had his family. It was just like he was, he's, he doesn't even own the company. He was just doing his cousin a favor. And this guy waited at the border for us whilst it was snowing, mind you, for five hours whilst we were trying to figure out what we were doing with customs. Like we were calling our immigration lawyer. We were crying. We're like, I don't know how to do this. Like he's speaking oh Catalan, God. not even Spanish, but Catalan. I don't know this. <laughs> and we're trying to translate. And this, this guy just, he was like, it's okay. It's all right. Do you want me to come back? I'll come back on Monday. I'll bring you some, it will cost you, but I'll come back. Of <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so much money um and he was great he stopped he said but long story short we moved up it's been a great move <laughs> in the long run by andorra's beautiful i can't recommend it enough <laughs> went on a bit of a tangent there sorry folks <laughs> oh my gosh well if there's any listeners from europe and we have an audience in europe and netherlands and actually spain yeah. <laughs> they're probably sitting there going oh my god don't make the mistake we did <laughs> oh no. I like jesus so oh my god so, well, luckily jay was on a rest day <laughs> so what is it like being um like putting your whole I can't say that you're not putting your whole life on hold, but really focusing in on Jay getting to pro status. Like, what is that like? Because I can't imagine, because it's the top, it's UCI pro team. What does he have to do to actually get there? Like, can you, I'm, you can, I'm sure you can shed some light on what he has to do, like training wise, like all these things. And you as his, so when you're like taking care of everything while he does all this stuff that he like his training and and everything what's that yeah. like like what does he have to do it is honestly <laughs> that's a big question I'm sure but it, it is a massive question like I we knew how hard it would be we came in not done going this is going to be a full-time job like this is honey you need to do the training and it's hard training right even back in Australia he he would come home and he would open the door and he would just be like honey um I need your help like help me I, I can't do this um and because he'd be cooking himself during these training sessions he would be absolutely going empty um and like the amount of mental resilience that takes is just mind-boggling like genuinely and then you don't even like you go oh yeah you just train a couple of hours and you have a coffee no like there is so much to it so he he gets his training he gets up in the morning does it no matter if there's he might feel eh and not want to train but he will force himself to go out on the bike and do it the mental determination that takes is just just horrible like you we've all had it where you go into an office and you're like no one talked to me. I hate you all. Just let me do my thing. And I'm just doing bare minimum today. Go away. Right. We've all been there. We've all done it. You don't have that option as a pro. You, you have to, if it's raining, you go out. If you, if you have a headache, you don't feel good. Your morale's low. You have to suck it up and go out. And 
like Jay and I talked from the get-go of so many people try and do this sport and they fail. Like you, the, a lot of Australians move overseas, do it for a year and burn out and go, I can't do this. It's too hard. Um, for the first part of the year, we didn't have a huge amount of comps from Jay's team either. Um, just What's that? Um, so uh, communication. We didn't have oh, a huge amount of communication, okay. sorry, um, with Jay's team for a few reasons. And we we're just trying to set things up and everything. And he was trying, they were trying not to burn him out. And it just took so much work. And um, basically you don't even think about it. You, you do, let's say a four or five hour training session where you're drilling yourself and then you come home and you have to eat, but you can't just then go to the shops and go relax and do whatever you want. You have to just take your recovery so seriously where you sit down and you do nothing. You, you physically can't do anything. And for example, living in Spain and Andorra, that is just not an option where you have, if you don't have a support person, there is a huge amount of work you need to do. Like we went through the process and we purchased a car because we were like, we're going to live here for a long time. And we had to park that car outside in um, an open car park because our house didn't have a garage. And our car ended up getting towed because we didn't realize something and it wasn't parked in the wrong spot, but there was a sign saying it had to be leave before eight. We got there at eight 30. It got towed. That was wow. a five hour process for me to try and find where our car was to pay the fine even. And then I found out there was another fine coming and I had to figure out, I spent literally another three hours trying to figure out if what, invoice number I had to pay and what process I had to go through the Catalan um, journeyment to pay this fine like small life admin things that you wouldn't think of mm-hmm. there is a huge amount here and like in Girona you can't we uh, lived in old town so we couldn't just go to the shop in the car and bring our shop so you're carrying everything on your back and like an old granny trolley as well you're (laughs) lugging that and cyclists eat a lot of food don't they (laughs) especially my husband it's a big bowl he's he's a climber but you need to fill the calories and even myself I have a big bowl and we would end up going to the shop and carrying stuff and if you have a neopro let's say a 21 year old neopro by themselves that is a lot of work that this young kid has to do by themselves. They have to figure out in a different language of how to set up the Wi-Fi, how to set up the electricity, how do you, um, you have just different things always coming up where you could have Jay's bike sometimes. There would be an issue. You, you need to send your bike somewhere. That could be a three-hour process that he just does not have the energy to do. And at his level, one percenters do count. They, they genuinely do. So my job and how I've taken being his wife is mm-hmm. I try to make his life as easy as humanly possible. Um, mm-hmm. Where it's, honey, you come in, you sit down, I cook you whatever food you want and you just take it easy. You, you recover, you do your phone. Like there's a whole process in recovery. You're spending about two hours doing your recovery process as well. Then you've got meetings with team coaches. 
you've you've got a lot of stuff then there's like drug testing and like anti-doping that you have to constantly make sure your calendar and movements up to date and all this stuff that's a lot of work that you need to do and obviously we us with the move moving up to Andorra us finalizing our visas I didn't stop doing visa paperwork until like seven months into living in Girona like I kid you not that's how much there was there's just so much paperwork and stuff that you don't think about but it's all really taxing stuff like Jay and I will often talk in the car he'll go oh honey I really appreciate like everything you do like I could not imagine have having finished that training session and then saving the energy for myself to then go to the shop because most most people do a daily shop. We don't. We do uh, two loads per shop. Um, and most people would do a daily shop, buy their stuff for dinner, then save the energy to then cook themselves dinner. Jay doesn't have to do that. He genuinely just comes home, helps into the shower and goes sits down. I hand him his protein shakes. I give him everything he can just so he can recover because there is a lot of energy that comes in and he's hoping to eventually become a GC rider at the world tour level, which is the highest level in this sport. Like mm-hmm. he's at Paris Nice at the moment, which is his second ever world tour race, right? So there's different levels of professional racing world tours the highest. And he's at Paris Nice at the moment. And he was hoping to have a really good race and practice being a GC rider. Things have fallen away with crashes and everything. But he's racing against guys like Rodlick, who has won the Tour de France, like Pogacar and Rodlick <laughs> and like Egan Bernal. Like that's the people he's trying to eventually get up to that pace. And he's got a long way to go. He's only in his second year as a professional rider, but you gotta make every second count. And for him. He needs to recover. And this is a hundred percent a team kind of dynamic. Like that's why we go hashtag team vine. Like, cause I genuinely right. he needs all of that support and he does not take any of it for granted. Like, and if, if he was being a 18 year old boy being like, Oh yeah, mum, go do this for me. I'd have an issue, but he doesn't, he is a hundred percent so appreciative. And it just, it's it's worthwhile and that was the agreement we had like I'm not working at the moment I've got no job I I am yeah um I'm just full-time supporting Jay so at in Spain I wasn't allowed to work I wasn't even allowed to do remote work even back for a company in Australia I got told no no you do nothing I was like wouldn't you prefer that I'm working and then I like yeah but how are you supposed to pay are you supposed to purely off Jay so go off his salary and that's what also makes it so hard for us because normally other couples have like a European passport and they can work and their wives can work and or girlfriends whichever and they can also have a second income even if it's 25,000 euros that's a second income Mm -hmm. we're not allowed I'm not actually allowed but now that I've moved to Andorra that could become a possibility. And we've had a few discussions of, okay, well, do I want to become a professional? This was last year we were discussing Mm -hmm. because I was doing a lot of training sessions and 
he was going, you've got the numbers. And we had a few teams and people have a chat to us going, what, what would you be interested in racing? And would you be keen to join and having conversations? And we basically went, no, because when we think about it, I, I love racing. I genuinely think it's the best thing. I, I love female mm-hmm. racing. I think it's fantastic. But looking at it, I was like, I don't see myself being a uh, a Voss, right? I'm a Mariana Voss. I'm I'm not her. <laughs> I'm not a Sarah Gigante. I'm not a Mariana Voss. I am not anything crazy. I'm I'm a strong rider. Don't get me wrong, but I can't see myself being the best female cyclist in the world. Can't do. It. I just no. And so we went. Okay, well, do I try take away from Jay? So if I was to do that, I remove a bit of my support to Jay, right? I already train a fair bit, but no matter what, if something goes wrong, I give him my Garmin, I give him my heart rate, like everything goes to his training first priority. And if I'm being a pro, I take away that support I give him. So what my support probably drops down about 30%. And at his level, 1% do count as we discussed. So it wouldn't be worth it. And the same kind of logic happens when we talk about just a normal job where we go, do I look at a full-time job? And we're like, no, because it takes away that percentage again. Like I can, I can't guarantee myself to have a day off that I can go drop you off to Barcelona. Like at the moment on, on Monday, I think it will, yeah I think Sunday I think I don't remember one of the days I drove Jay to Barcelona Uh and then drove back that was a six-hour drive um and that I can't do that with a job like Mm -hmm. not a chance and then I have to do that again when he gets picked up like um it's just not an actual possibility so this has definitely turned from being a putting myself on hold but more of Mm -hmm we're seeing this as a hundred percent just a team um teamwork yeah. and like we're fully committed to the dream i i genuinely think for jay to be successful in doing this that mm-hmm. you need yeah. that and i think any professional cyclist needs someone like that to be able to help them because otherwise you're half asking it and yeah. not everyone's in a position that they can do that like we have made a lot of sacrifices a lot of budget cuts, a lot of things to make it work. So I I ended up getting a bit of slack from people going, well, why aren't you working? Why aren't you being a pro? Like, do you think women's cycling is not good enough? And it's like, well, no. <laughs> like, I'm actually giving it more credit because I think I, I'm not going to do a good enough job because I'm going to be helping my husband and I don't want to half-ass it. And I recognise I can't half-ass it and do what you guys do. Um, yeah but yeah it's it's been a really interesting and a bit of a conflicting like emotional thing for me mm-hmm. but that's where Zwift racing comes in right I can race my bike at any time like it's mm-hmm. Zwift normally it's like a 5 a.m start or a late <laughs> night start like typically that's how it works with the Zwift time zones that's <laughs> Like I can do that. Zwift Worlds doing that with Jay was just so much fun. Like genuinely so much fun. And it was something I could train for and keep the motivation up for. So yeah, 
that was a bit of a rant. Sorry. <laughs> no, but that was, that was like, wow. And, and I can see that being, you know, just a little bit of internal turmoil as to, you know, where you want to go. But I mean, you, when you make the commitment to your partner, it doesn't matter what is like pro, um, you know, you'd have somebody who has like, you know, the, the better job, the bigger job. And, you know, like that, I was like that at the beginning, like with my husband, um, you know, the kids came along and I'm just like, you know, you take care of yourself. You have a bunch of different contracts, uh, different cities, you know, I have to travel a bit and, you know, I'll just take care of everything. And then, I mean, later on, you're still young. So you have lots of, lots of time to do stuff. And like you said, Swift, you can race in a moment's notice in 30 minutes instead of like, you know, when you have to go to race, it's like a full day affair going wherever, warming up for our race and then driving home and you could have the same results online. So I know it's kind of a little bit weird, but (laughs) it it works. And I'm, I am such a numbers person when it comes to training and racing. Like I genuinely, I love that aspect. And I think that's what makes me love Zwift so much. Cause I'm like, am I hearing my numbers? Am I on point with those? Am I doing it? It's either a yes or no. There's no questions about it. It's either I've hit my numbers or I haven't. And that's genuinely what I love about Zwift. It means it's transferable across the road on any level. And like, yeah. it just works so well numbers you i know i'm just sort of starting to look at mine as they start accumulating right for every race i'm just like why is that one higher and and, you know like i i'm still getting into understanding the numbers and the power outputs and i'm just you know and it is a huge uh, it is fun because you do like to see where once you start understanding like i said i'm slowly understanding um what it all means like in those in those uh race um like race results and stuff and i'm like man i'm i need to you know know, like i need to go down a level to like you know race a little bit higher feel make feel myself feel better than go back and have my ass handed to myself to be back to me again (laughs) that's totally natural and it's my biggest advice with racing on zwift is watch what you're doing and learn how you react to the game and how the game reacts Mm -hmm. to you when you do something like I am most definitely not the strongest girl on Zwift by any means yet I was still able to pull off a um 11th at Zwift Worlds Mm -hmm. but my fitness does not match mean I could go out on the road and be the strongest or the 11th strongest girl on the road or on in a Zwift race. It was, it was just pure numbers. But it's knowing how to ride the game, knowing how what what works for you personally. Like I know for myself, I am not a lightweight climber. I am not 40 kilos. I am not 50 kilos. I'm like 56 race weight. Like <laughs> at best. Like that took a lot of effort for me to get to race weight. And I wasn't even at race weight because I ended up getting my period before the race. And, <laughs> and then I ended up putting on a bit of weight and I was just like, oh, but it's okay. It doesn't matter. But I know for a fact that I'm not, 
the purest climber and I'm not the lightest, but I've learned how the game works for me. I've learned how to use it. And I think if people really pay attention to how their numbers works with the game and when to surge and when to go for it and when you should be laying off the power, all Mm -hmm. these things, you can really have a good race. And so doing those absolute thrashing level efforts that is the fastest way for you to learn what mm-hmm. not to do. Like <laughs> yeah. those hard races with Jay, it made me learn what I needed to do to conserve my energy. Like yeah. Jay had to stand next to me and go, you're going to cook. You need to calm down and you need to do this. And that's how we learned. Like it was genuinely doing those hard sessions. So I totally think it's a good idea. Smash yourself. Then go yeah. down to a lower level where you're not absolutely at your max. Learn that dynamic and mm-hmm. then try and apply that on a race when you're at your max heart rate, whether that's 200, 100, whatever. You can actually learn that. And then that's the easiest way for you to develop, develop and go up the ranks and learn your race craft, which you can apply in real life, in real life racing. Like I learned a lot from racing on Zwift that I could then apply in real life. And it made a huge difference. Oh yeah. I can see that. Like I, <clears throat> I've spent a lot of time watching and learning, like what are the key things to do to get in a good position, uh, first off. And, um, and it's the same with, so <laughs> when I went into racing, I'm like, well, we're not going to start off at a slow race, pace, you know, like lead out. Yes, oh my God. What, what, the fuck? <laughs> just, what the hell? <laughs> that was my first, uh, aha moment there. I'm like, we've all done that. Away. Everyone's this done it. If they say they like haven't, it. it's a lie. <laughs> this is not a, so I was just like baking the big transition from what it's like outside, but positioning outside and learning like what to do, what not to do does transfer inside. But I think, I think like being at full out effort for like an hour, (laughs) it's just like, it's eye opening and it is managing yourself hugely, which I can see being a big benefit outside, you know, especially when you have more time to recover outside because that's the way the races are. You know, yep. and one really important thing would be racing in Zwift how you would outside as well. So don't go closing your eyes. I see so many girls closing their eyes during a race or being like, like they'll close their eyes in the live stream, right? So sometimes uh, for my racing, there's lots of live streams and you see yeah. someone will do a max effort and, and they'll be on their hoods like as high as they possibly can. You wouldn't do that in real life, by the way, folks. You need to be a little bit reasonable. But they'll be on top of their hoods and they'll be so maxed that they close their eyes and then they'll like just put their head down to the ground and just they're drilling it. They're giving it everything they've got. Yeah. But it makes me cringe because I go, don't do that in Zwift because if you do that in Zwift, you're going to do it outside because you, you won't know the difference. And it's right. such an easy thing to slip into. For the love of God, make sure if you're racing on Zwift, do it how you normally would 
in real life. And I'm sure you you coming from a racing background. Oh, no, that. my eyes are wide open. Don't worry about that. Yes, like it's <laughs> logical to do. I, I can't even. Well, that's the thing. People can develop a lot of bad habits being inside. And when I coach, like I coach online and I'm like, girls, keep your heads up. I said, you don't, you don't bike with your heads down like this. Oh my gosh. You're never, you're going to run into the person in front of you. You know, you're going to run into a parked car, like simulate like we're outside. Cause you don't want to be building those bad habits inside and then translate them nicely outside and have an accident. But uh, yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why Jay and I, we are a bit odd. We only do our FTP sessions and tests outside. We don't do them on Zwift. Mm. And that is so we're not going down and putting our eyes down. And there's a few factors to it. But one of the reasons yeah. is you're not burying yourself on the trainer and then trying to do that outside and then having an accident because you're trying to do your intervals at that higher power and then you cook yourself and then you close your eyes and you're absolutely stuffed. So doing it outside is a very good way to measure and make sure you're doing everything properly and safe as well. Yeah. Well, I can see, yeah, when we're out of the snow, that'd be a great idea, but yep. oh my gosh, Bree, this has been absolutely amazing like you brought a lot of information like just fun <laughs> stuff to our listeners like we've talked about a lot of things like yeah. like I don't know if anybody's uh, got a new found feeling for Swift and for <laughs> pro riders and for uh you know appreciation of partners um you know that follow their partners uh or you know either men or women to Europe to become a pro or even into the States. But, um, I had, I had an idea. Um, but it certainly is like a, a full-time job, like you said, like just, uh, watching and making sure, but now that he's not, he's like, he's racing with a team. You must have a little time off though. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) Well, actually, um, besides the passports. No, I've, I've actually got a, so not, this will sound really bad. It's not a bad thing by any means, but Jay and I form a to-do list for me for when he's <laughs> gone. And it it's, it's more admin things. Like we're trying to oh. close everything off in Spain still. Like we're trying oh. to close our electricity, right? And they've charged us wrong. This has taken me, I kid you not, like four days of calling where, also can't call because it's an international number and we're trying to and trying to do the workarounds and because Andorra's not part of the EU it doesn't work and but <laughs> it's actually wow. been so much work and like I'm trying to get packages I've had packages in the ether somewhere like the other day I spent about seven hours going to different warehouses in Spain and Andorra going where's my package like you you apparently shipped the package but you don't ship to andorra so you've gone to this company which then uses this company which then uses this company to then post it but you can't tell me where it is and the product biking can't tell us where our product is where's our product like seriously is a process (laughs) oh my god you're making me tired just listening to you (laughs) Actually, 
<laughs> it's not as quiet as you would think. And I do a lot of days social media as well, like and just managing mm-hmm. and preparing posts and helping him put his thoughts into words. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been helping him with that. And then it's also like I'm trying to do some journalism stuff as well and just oh, try and cool. do some writing. Like as a side little small thing when I have a few minutes, I haven't done, yeah, I've done like five articles here. So definitely not a lot. Oh, but then like good. I do do that kind of stuff as well. So it's it's not boring, but it's a lot. I've got a bit more time when Jay isn't here, but I've still got a to-do list. Users, <laughs> wow. Well, I am so happy that you found some time for me um, and the Thank podcast because this has been super enlightening. Oh my God. <laughs> thank you so much and, yeah oh, wait, so, for um for yapping a little bit there my bad <laughs> hey well hopefully maybe we can get the two of you together sometime in the summer when <laughs> in between tours and things yeah. like that <laughs> or maybe at, at some cafe we can uh, um catch you for uh, a little chat the two of you that would be super cool if um if that happens. But anyways, I really, really appreciate you for, for doing this and being on the podcast. And uh, so everybody don't forget to follow the vine team vine. I don't know. I don't think it's on, I don't think that's, <laughs> but uh, J vine and Bree vine on, uh, Instagram, um, all their information will be down below. And also don't forget to follow the podcast and uh yeah anyways i think i'm gonna have a nap after listening to what's going on (laughs) thank you so much everybody have an amazing day and thanks again brie thank you hey gang i hope you enjoyed that episode with brie as much as i did learning all about the behind the scenes of pro athletes and what it takes to get them there it's not just arriving in Europe and racing, there is a lot of things that we don't think about that we don't, that are in the backside of getting to the pro level. And Brie is a prime example of a supportive partner that has put herself out there. And yes, as women, we're like, oh my God, how could you give up your cycling career? But if you listen to her, she hasn't. She's doing her own thing, and I'm so excited that she is. She's amazing on Swift, and just to, you know, at the end, you know, they plan on having a family, and it's so cool to see, and I love her commitment, their commitment as a couple to Jay's career, and that's it. If you want to get a career, no matter what it is, there needs to be support on the back end to take care of all the other home logistics. So with that, have an amazing day and please share this with your friends um, and on social media and follow us and follow Brie and have yourself an amazing day. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. 
I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment, telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.